Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Welcome back to the program. We've got a, a, a packed show today, and uh, actually we have a packed studio as well. As, uh, we've got uh, Brent Hall, local CPA, uh, Troy Blanchard, local attorney and economist major, economy major. Uh, and what, what school was that, uh, by the way, uh, Troy? That was Brigham Young University. BYU, okay. I, I, I went to several different universities during my time uh, before I graduated. BYU was the hardest, by the way, of, of all the universities that I attended. But I did get a degree from Utah State University. Anyway, and uh, Mayor Troy, uh, Mayor John Pike is in here. We also have uh, Neil Walter on the phone. Uh, we're talking about the, the kind of the motivation, what, what we think the motivation is for our lawmakers to even talk about restructuring the, the, the uh, tax and raising the tax, if you will. And I know John, uh, John was in line and ready to tell us a little bit about what his, what's on his mind. Well, just to clarify a little bit uh, for the listeners, what, what I think Neil was saying, um, the income tax in Utah by, uh, by dictate of the Constitution, the state Constitution, can only be used for educational purposes. And so that's what, when Neil was talking about silo, that's what he, he, he was meaning, and, and I think he, he said that at the end. The only way that that can be changed is by a, a constitutional amendment. And as he indicated, that's been done before. It can be done again. You know, it's just, I think, something that the legislature hasn't really wanted to mess with. But really, that's, that's the biggest structural problem I see. As Neil said, you know, uh, when we get our income, whether it's from me or my wife or, you know, um, passive income from investments, whatever it might be, we can use all of that for anything we want to in our households. That's what I I think the the state government needs to be able to do. Now, that's going to scare potentially some educational folks. They might say, "Uh oh, now they'll take our money. Well, it's not their money. Uh, if we if we make that change to the constitution and we say look we got to have some flexibility doesn't mean educational funding is going to go down as Neil also said uh, I I don't know that we should be reducing income tax uh, because you know again if if especially if education is not needing uh, is is needing more money as we grow yeah. then you know we got to make sure we do provide for them but. But I think, you know, every every area in all parts of government, just like our businesses and our households, we always need to check ourselves and say, you know, do we have a revenue problem or, or do we have a spending problem? And and so, you know, that's 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 a big part of this discussion as well. Yeah, and, uh, and I think a lot of folks uh, don't necessarily even understand that in their own budgets at home. You know, do you, you could make a hundred grand a year, but if you're spending a hundred and twenty or a hundred and fifty or whatever it might be, then you have a spending problem, and yep. maybe maybe that's the the, the big issue. Uh, uh, Troy, what do you think? Um, I was just going to tell a quick story about how pervasive the thought is that, okay. that we're having a, a revenue problem. Uh, so just in, uh, a news article came out uh, a few weeks ago written in the Deseret News and on KSL. It's a very prominent article that popped up uh, written by a reporter uh, named Ashley Imlay. And it, the, the headline was, Utah needs to expand taxes on personal services to catch up with the digital age. It was a mm. big, bold headline. And the first sentence says, Utah's income taxes have soared over the, first pa- over the past four decades, while its sales taxes have declined. That's what it said. I mean, it's, and that's out and out not true. Out, it's just absolutely 100% false. Hmm. And so when I saw that, I actually sent the, the reporter an email. 
and said, okay, I just, I tried to be, I think I was being nice. But I didn't want to be, you know, a crazy guy from out of the blue sending no, an email. Troll guy. Yeah, I understand. So I sent an email explaining that that was actually not correct, that the sales taxes have not declined, they've actually increased. Um, what I think she's mistaken, that sales taxes have declined, as Neil explained so well, they have declined as a percentage of income taxes, meaning they have not risen as fast as income taxes have, but they haven't declined overall. So I sent that to her, and she actually responded to me saying, well, I'm just reporting what was in the report. And I said, and so I've, I've read the report, and she sent me some quotes, and her quotes, even the quote she sent me said things like sales taxes have declined as a percentage of income taxes. Again, mm. it's just the message being sent out there. They see the word decline. They think they're declining overall, and they are not. They are absolutely – sales taxes are not declining overall. As Neil explained, they are increasing. They're in, increasing at a rate that keeps pace with, uh, with population growth and inflation. And we, we, I think we just have to – make sure our legislators understand. I think even they're mistaken. At least some of them are mistaken thinking sales taxes are declining. They are not declining. But that is overall the message they came out with when House Bill 441, when they tried to push that through, that was exactly what they were saying. Well, we're, we're losing all this money on sales tax. It's, yeah. it's going down and we're, we're in big trouble for in the future if we don't do something. Yep. And the, and the, the reality, it is declining as a percentage of income simply because income taxes are going up so much faster than sales tax. But again, it is not declining. That is not the message. What they should be saying is income taxes are increasing at a slower rate than – I mean sales taxes are increasing at a slower rate than income taxes. But that doesn't quite get their message so powerfully that we need to do something. Yeah. Andy, I, I attended a meeting last month that was put on by Stuart Adams, who's the president of the Senate. Mm -hmm. And like Troy says, I think even the legislators have been kind of pulled into this thing. And, and the people pushing it are – some people in state government, um, the legislative economist, uh, Neil had a meeting where he was at uh, a couple of weeks ago, and the governor's office of management and budget, uh, they are kind of the, the ones that are pushing these numbers, and they haven't shared those numbers with us. But, but Stuart Adams showed a graph of sales tax declining as a percentage of GDP, gross domestic product. Right. And Neil kind of mentioned that, that that statistic has nothing to do with reality. Um, but but it makes a good visual because it shows things going down. Oh, no, we have a problem. Yeah. Um, and then he ended his, his presentation by saying how they'd been able to use this sales tax money to fund uh, like a billion dollars worth of transportation, prison, all this stuff. And, for example, in the meeting Neil was at, they brought up that last year they had – this was with the Speaker of the House. And, and uh, they brought up – that they had a billion-dollar surplus last year in their budget. And do you know where that went? They spent 90% of it. Really? By, according to Neil, 500000 I think, on ongoing projects. So now that's built into the budget. $500 million. $500 million, sorry. Yeah, $500 million. Million. Yeah, go ahead, Neil. Tell us. Well, it just uh, – and I didn't get the exact numbers, but it was that uh, roughly just below half went to – um, ongoing appropriations, meaning it's money that gets spent year after year. Um, about half went to um, one-time appropriations, which is usually like buildings and capital facilities and other you know one-time expenses. And then about a hundred million dollars went into the state's rainy day fund. So 
we had a billion dollar projected surplus and we saved 10 percent of it the rest of it in one form or another we spent which gentlemen i think we'd all agree you'd never want to spend one-time money on ongoing uh expenses right you yeah. want to you want to save those or if use one-time money for one-time expenses like maybe a building, uh, but even then you're incurring some operations and management management costs. So you got to be very careful how you use a surplus. You know, very you know, very careful because if you're committing it safe to salaries, well, they're going to be there next year. So is your is your uh, uh, in, is your uh, income is your surplus going to be there next year? Well, you don't know. So that's that's not a very good way of, of budgeting and spending. Right. And one thing Senator Stewart um, talked about, too, was the state is concerned about funding Medicaid. The public voted to expand Medicaid because, I guess, to be compassionate. But the legislature understood that that was going to be a big problem. And, and I can't understand if they're concerned about funding Medicaid in the future, why wouldn't they save the whole billion in their rainy day sure. fund for future rather than tax us more? Yeah, yeah, good point there. You know, but one of the things that I, I guess comes to my mind, guys, is uh, how many of these uh, these uh, these state leaders are on board and pushing this, and how many of them are just kind of along for the ride and don't quite understand it all? I mean, I mean, Troy, what do you think? Is it is it a situation where a lot of them are just like, well, I'll take your word for it and, and go along with it? You're talking about our legislatures. Yes. I think part of the problem is that I don't have any – I don't want to say anything bad about our legislatures. Sure. They're, they're good people. I know several of them, um, and they're trying to do the best they can, but they're not full-time legislators. This isn't something they sit down and can study. They all have full-time jobs. Uh, it's a part-time legislature, legislature, and so it's difficult for them to uh, really dig into the – like Neil has probably done more work on this than I'll bet any of the legislators. If you look at all the numbers and graphs he's produced, um, and they just don't have time, I think, to dig into it. So they are very reliant on the governor's office. And I think – and I'm, I'm not sure I've figured out the motivation for the governor's office. That, that was my next but question. But I think that's where the push is coming from is it's coming from the governor's office. And I, I'm not sure I fully grasp what the – we've talked about some of the structural issues and things like that. But – the question is, why are they going about it this way and not a more direct approach to, to solving the problem? We should talk about this is the constitutional issues, the fact that they've got a surplus in income tax and running possibly a deficit in, in their general fund. Why aren't they addressing it more directly? This seems like a kind of a smoke and mirrors approach to really we want to we want to solve the problem, the structural problem by cutting sale by cutting income tax rather than freeing up income tax. They're going to cut income tax and raise sales sales tax. It just seems to be a, a kind of a sloppy solution. One of the other things that surprised me, too, was that the governor was behind it. We knew that the Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce actually came out behind House Bill 441 and, and ultimately this tax raise or tax reform. That surprised me a lot. Well, I think that they're seeing it as a stabilization mechanism, you know, and a control issue, honestly, uh, from what I've observed. Um, and and I, uh, if they could prove that to us, if they, you know, the numbers just don't seem to show that. Uh, as Troy just said, uh, you know, there there might be some structural changes that they need to make. But I think by broadening, as they were using the terms, broadening the base, that meant 
that was code for uh, hmm. taxing services, okay? Right. Broadening the base, reducing the rate. So, you know, if you've got all these different taxes out there and you, you charge more taxes, you know, on more things, in this case services, but you reduce, reduce the rate, you know, that you're charging on everything, then theoretically, yeah, you could have a maybe a stabilization but uh, a redu- or, or, or keeping it level. But this was not going to keep it level. No. Now, everything that we saw, it was going to be a significant increase in taxes. And, again, you get into what concerns me a lot as a, as a mayor and as a business person is, you know, what does it do to our businesses? And what does it do to each city? Every city's different. And so to basically say, well, we're just across the board going to, you know, uh, have taxes on services and decrease rates. Well, maybe even citizens or cities, you know, their budgets would be affected by that. Maybe some would increase a lot. Maybe others would decrease a lot. In fact, we had some projections in St. George that showed that we could possibly lose, you know, uh, up to $7 million a year. Uh, in in uh, in sales tax revenues, depending on how they did all this, but well, again, it's hard to project that because we didn't really know exactly at the time what they were going to uh, what they were going to do. Yeah. Well, John Dean Cox, commissioner, um, was on the Andy show a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned forty percent of sales tax revenue comes from people. I don't know if that includes snowbirds, but people who are not full time residents. Right. And so, if you lower the rate, you just lose that money that sales revenue would have come in, and that's the same thing with the city. Um, And there's just so many issues here, we can't cover them all, but I've talked to all the local legislators, uh, um, uh, encouraged the public to call and talk to them. Travis Segmiller has been leading the fight against this, and and I know Walt Brooks listened, and and he's basically not following the the (laughs) Kool-Aid anymore. And Lowry Snow has been, you know, really good to seek information. Yeah. Don Ipson says, this isn't going anywhere. Um, so I think our local legislators are pretty good, except they do need to hear from the public so they have leverage to tell their leadership. It's been the leadership pushing it. And and so um, I'll just say one concern I think we all have is that H, the House Bill 441 that frankly was very close to passing was so terrible that we've kind of lost a little bit of trust that even the the found the, the tax foundation came out with a report which was interesting and that now they're citing as kind of a guideline of why they need to expand the the sales tax base and, and tax some services um, even that report goes on to say that house bill 441 was terrible it doesn't use those exact words but it says house bill four it goes on to say that taxing Business input, which basically is a double, triple, quadruple tax on businesses as they tax every single input, which is what House Bill 441 did, um, that that is a terrible idea. And it goes on for pages explaining why it's such a terrible idea. And then it goes on to say that House Bill 441, three-fourths of the taxes were on the very thing we don't want to tax, which is business inputs. And so House Bill 441 was so bad that now I realize they've scrapped it, and so they're not going with that approach. But you kind of lose a little bit of trust now when they're coming back at a second bite of the apple when they were so close to doing something that it, these independent studies have said was terrible. Well, I, 
I also talked to John Dougal, who is our state auditor, mm-hmm. and he said when he was in the state legislature 10 years ago, they did a study on whether they should tax services. They spent three years. He sent me a copy of the study, and he said what they tried to do with House Bill 441 was the opposite of what that study said, and they didn't, you know, they're just, it, it seems like a knee jerk, and he doesn't see the crisis. And that's and that's kind of what we're getting at here is, you know, my question was going to be, well, what is the answer to the problem? But I think right now, I think what we're, we're kind of arriving at is there's not a problem right now. Would you guys well, agree? Well, a spending problem. There right. is a problem, well, yeah, but it's a spending okay. problem. But there's, there's but not a tax not, problem. We can't see what they say is a problem. Yeah, I mean, I've heard things. Uh, we've alluded to some of those. I, I think one of the things, and Neil would agree with this, he mentioned it uh, in another conversation we all had together, and that is uh, Medicaid. You know, they're, they're, they're telling us we're going to have, especially with what was passed recently, we're going to have significantly higher Medicaid uh, expenses at the state level. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what that is, but I can imagine, you know, with uh, being involved in health care, I, I can imagine where the state's taken on more responsibility. There probably will be a big increase there. But, but again, it's, I, I realize you want to be proactive, but we could also be proactive in, in terms of, you know, trimming our budget instead of always looking for for increasing the revenues. So we got we got to look at both ends of the the ledger, don't we, uh, Brent, our CPA yeah. here? Yeah. <laughs> and and the Utah Business Coalition had a speaker come. We don't have time to talk about it, but he gave a lot of good guidelines, and they're the opposite of what the legislature has been trying to do. I think we better advertise the meeting tomorrow. Yes, let's talk right? about it. Yep. Okay, so the legislature has been meeting across the state. Um, and the one tomorrow is at 610 South Tech Ridge Drive on the Black Hill. The Dixie open, Tech. or sorry, Dixie Tech. Dixie Tech. The, the old airport, yep. Yeah, Dixie Tech Auditorium. And the open house starts at 1 p.m. Meeting starts at 2. Anybody who wants to speak, I think, needs to sign up, you know, be there early, sign early, up. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we get an opportunity to voice the concerns we have. Any any idea what the open house is going to entail? Are they going to have you know panel boards and stuff? Or I don't I don't know actually. I've just heard it's it's just milling around, and the the hope there is uh, my hope, and it's what I I heard from um, from uh, our sources with the legislature was it was a chance to mill around and talk to some of these legislators personally. Now, if there are a lot of people there. That might be, you know, like kids playing soccer. It might mm-hmm. be swarm ball. Yeah. But, you know, that's okay. We can, uh, I, I think, if you can get there for sure, come come early. Be there by one so that you, we have a chance to talk to these legislators individually. And I'm quite sure, uh, I think Brent mentioned, I'm sure some of our legislators from St. George, Washington County, will be there. I don't think all of them will be, but some of them will be. And and they're very, they're listening uh, a lot on this and you know like you, you brent alluded to this too the senate is a different house from the house of representatives different chamber different body uh the senate on 441 was not drinking the kool-aid so i think we we need to make sure we stay close to don epson and evan vickers who represent us in washington county in the senate uh, i think but, I, but their leader has been pushing oh, the abs- issue. he has been recently yeah I, I think you know that's the thing then when the governor's office is pushing it and the speaker seems to be carrying the ball and and these are good people as troy mentioned you know but 
then that makes it hard for people like Brad Last, who's in leadership uh, on the finance side, makes it hard for them to push back. So we've got to help them by showing up tomorrow to express our concerns. And in my opinion, we need to be concise. We have to be, right? We don't have time. We've got to hit the issues, not emotionally necessarily. Be logical. Factually, yeah, be logical. Factual. And uh, I think this is why it's been great, Brent and Neil and Troy, who are experts in this in the field, that they, they've hit these points today. Got about a minute, Troy. Final thought? Uh, just that I'm hoping that we, the public can get a, the word out that to our legislators that we do not want uh, some big restructuring that taxes all of our services. That's just something we don't want in the state of Utah. Awesome. Neil, final thoughts? Uh, I think that we need to look at the uh, spending side of the budget. The uh, mayor mentioned this before we create a new tax structure. And I think that if we, I think that we do have enough income, and I think that we need to look at eliminating the silos through a constitutional amendment, which is not unprecedented in this state or any other state uh, to deal with the, the revenue dynamics. Okay, thank you, Neil. Brent? I think I've said about everything. So just make sure and show up and, and share the information. Andy, one last thing. Okay. In addition to what Neil said, show us the numbers. You know, let's let's be totally transparent. Um, you know, we've got to do that at every level of government. We try to do it at the city level. We've got to have that at, at every level, including the state. All right, guys. See you tomorrow. Dixie Tech, 1 o'clock.